This is Hope FM. My very, very special guest, Emma Heath and Sophia. A wee bit later on, you'll be hearing from uh, as well. We're, we're talking about addictions and more importantly, we're talking about freedom. And don't you want to be free from the things that control your lives? And it's not just about uh, the things that we've mentioned. There's a load of stuff that we can all be uh, addicted to in one form or another. But we don't have to have these controlling things in our lives. Because as you will hear from these two lovely ladies in the studio, that uh, there is a wonderful... Uh, way out so emma let's talk about your 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 life story i mean obviously you you went through some very dark days which led you of course to the place where you now find yourself but but what what was how did how did the whole addiction thing start for you what was it what were the triggers well i'll start with saying that i believe that every battle ends up being a blessing so there is hope hope to this story um so yes i'm going to talk a little of the dark times but um like i say there's a lot of hope um I fell into the trap of addiction at a very young age, um, at the age of 11. And um, I I funnily, I used to say it was to do with the parents I had because my dad worked for Guinness and my mum was a pharmacist. And and um, anyway, I, I ended up, no specific thing, um, but I just felt different. I felt sort of different to a lot of the kids I used to know. And my way of coping with feeling sort of on the edge um, was to like minimize the food that I ate my addiction began with food addictions and the the irony with that is that you think you're controlling something but it actually becomes out of control and that spiraled into um, different addictions the predominant one being alcohol I found alcohol at the age of 13 um, on a social level but it did become more problematic as I you know grew up and it ended up dominating my life to to being like the the be all and end all of of my existence at one point um i had a faith all along um but when addiction took hold it just went out the window for me um but i see how god was there the whole time and carried me through times that you know i shouldn't really have been here in all honesty with some of the things i did and addiction was it was just horrendous absolutely horrendous i lost all my morals I, um, you know, I've been brought up really well. And that's the thing that I say today, that addiction doesn't discriminate. It's not just your, you know, park bench drinker that's been through a really traumatic childhood, even though, you know, that does affect a lot of people that way. For me, it was it was just feeling different and not a part of and wanting to control something. Yeah. People around you, so like your parents and and, and when you were at school, were they aware of the fact? Did they really know what was going on with you? Um, To be honest, it it all sort of merged into just being a a heavy drinker, a party animal, that sort of thing. And and my mum did. My dad left when I was tiny. He ran off with another lady um, and left my mum to bring up me and my brother. Um, But my mum saw... At a young age, you know, when I lost a lot of weight um, through eating disorders. And I remember she signed me up to a gym just so that she could monitor um, a bit more, like, you know, when I went swimming and things about my weight. And, and she, being a pharmacist, tried to get me all the help possible, but I was so resistant. I mean, were you overweight? I mean, you're certainly not overweight today. I mean... I've been through the whole spectrum of eating disorders. I went up to 18, 19 stone when I was at university and within a year went down to... Um, seven stones that's how powerful the the food issue had been for me um i've been you know anorexic bulimic overeating addicted to exercise it to be honest i look back now and i realize it wasn't the substance or the habit it was more about this internal 
they call it in the rooms of AA, more like this internal malady that was going on in Emma. Um, and I just turned to different things to what I thought control that, but actually it was completely the opposite. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm I'm happy now because I I you know I've been free of food addiction for coming up to about 18 years now, um, 19 years. Um, but it's still something. If I go to a restaurant, I still am very conscious. For example, of is there music playing in the toilets? Because I used to choose places to go to so that it would disguise the noise of me, you know being sick um through you know bulimia and i still think of that even though it's not an action today it's still it's still there if i you know bubbling mm. away that's why i believe you know recovery is about a daily maintenance to you know look after ourselves in that respect obviously we've got god but it is an action program as well this is hope fm and I, emma what obviously we talked about those dark those dark days and we we we, talk, we just touched a wee bit about other people you know and you said that your mum realised there, there was something wrong did you feel uh, that that you could talk to anybody about the internal struggles that, that were going on within you? To be honest no and that was one of the things like I, I describe addiction as the disease of isolation um, which is kind of ironic with what we've been going through lately um, and also you know addiction has been known as um sort of on, we're on the verge of a pandemic of addiction so you've got a pandemic of addiction with the pandemic of covid with isolation of addiction and isolation in what we're going through so it's it's a massive problem at the moment but for me in the grips of the worst times of my addiction i just felt so alone and i i was crying out to god like where are you in this as well and 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 i couldn't talk to anybody i, I wanted to and people tried to talk to me because they could visibly see what was going on but i just shut people away um, and just isolated and it was a very dark time when I didn't I didn't know who to speak to I didn't understand what was going on with myself and that's that's the thing addiction is so cunning and baffling we describe it like that because everybody's journey is so different even though you can label it one thing as addiction but it's so personal to you that it's so complicated and that's why actually getting well can be quite complicated as well because a bit like medicine you might need two people might have the same illness but need to be treated in different ways in order to recover so that's what we we see but ultimately we know that having god in the center um is the best thing that that can help a person i mean you talked about having faith pretty much all the way through when, when did the, the whole faith journey begin with you did you always have a consciousness that there was somebody somewhere yeah definitely and uh, my mother's an avid christian really strong christian lady so i was brought up going to sunday school in church and sang in the choir i even had the really posh red robe that i used to but you know what i did i only did that because i quite like the communion wine to be honest i thought I you were going to say the choir boys you know. <laughs> <laughs> and them <laughs> but i i kind of i can see how hindsight's a wonderful thing because i can look back and see how addiction was manifesting in my life at a really young age um, I always used to offer to feed my neighbour's cat and my neighbour was a vicar and he had quite a lot of wine in his cellar so I would often go and help myself and top it up with Rhinebeena, the red wine bottles. So, <laughs> you know, I was a cheeky little madam but, you know, alcohol was a key thing from a really young age for me. And there's a warning, isn't it, for even those folk who are administering communion that, you know, you need to be careful, I guess, that, that particularly if you're giving alcohol drinks, for some people that may not be the most helpful thing. It can be that trigger, just that one sip can change someone's whole trajectory um, if they're in recovery or, or struggling. And and I, I do urge, um, you know, congregations and, you know, pastors to to consider that um, and at least have the option of non-alcoholic and make it incredibly clear 
which is the non-alcoholic because people can mess up with that yeah obviously guilt would have been a, a major thing was, was, did that add to everything else that was going on the fact of you, you know you knew that perhaps the behavior that, that you were displaying was wasn't right but at yeah. the same time couldn't get free of it totally i i kind of it's you live with this complete contradiction in your mind um because i knew what i was doing was wrong i knew it was hurting myself and other people and really dishonoring god in the process but i carried on because it got to the point where it wasn't a choice anymore and that's that's the hard thing unless you've been through this um or been really close to someone that has and a lot of people would say can't you just stop or can't you just change how you drink or can't you just but actually it got to the point where i couldn't i was completely and we use it a lot in in um, addiction but the, the word powerless I was totally powerless where it overtook everything it overtook my sense my morals my faith my relationships my family um, and that's the hard thing and that's when people are so in a hole that's very hard to get out of now for you this went on for 17 long painful years yes uh, when you look back on these I mean, I, I mean it's interesting, obviously you're talking to me and talking to all of us about it Right now, and uh, and yet, uh, and of course, God's using you to uh, to talk about it. But it must amaze you where you've come from. It, I, I can't even. I, the more like I talk about things, the more humble I become. Um, because I, I never, ever, ever imagined I'd be doing what I'm doing today at all. Um, when I first got into recovery 13 years ago, I couldn't be in a room with more than two people out of anxiety. And now you get me speaking at conferences and talking to hundreds of people, doing TV, stuff like that. And and that that's just like, wow, because I not in my strength. I've been reading a book lately that says it's a Mark Batterson Chase the Lion book. And it says if your dreams don't scare you, you know, it's not big enough because then you have to completely rely on God. And God has just done like immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine in my life. And I get to see it in other people's as well and see them get set free of addiction, too. So it's just absolutely phenomenal it blows me away i've got goosebumps even mentioning it because this is just i see god at work in the most broken and desperate of places bringing light into that darkness it's amazing this is hope fm well my very special guest today two very special guests today one we haven't heard from just yet but we will be hearing from sophia soon Uh, but of course uh, emma heath is here in the studio with me as well and we were talking about Addictions and Emma uh, earlier on shared her for 17 years of bulimia and alcoholism really dominated uh, uh, her life. What was the crunch point though? Because I mean, obviously, you, you, you've already said that faith, belief in God was very much part of who you were, having been brought up, you know, with a Christian mom and going to Sunday school and, and all of that. But what was the, the, the beginning of the turning point? Um, I was incredibly fortunate that it. 13 years ago my mother helped to arrange for me to go into a rehabilitation center in Wiltshire and it was called Clow's House and I I'm so unbelievably blessed that it was a 12-step treatment facility and if people think what's this 12 steps 12 steps is the program that was originated by Alcoholics Anonymous which actually was initially started by a group of Christian people so it's a spiritual program so I was in this rehab but it had a spiritual element so when they were talking about a higher power I knew who that was even though I felt incredibly I got really emotional then incredibly disconnected with God I knew that it was God you know Jesus and over the last 13 years even though I had a me- you know I messed up eight years ago for two weeks um 
I've been gradually getting that relationship back and it's a relationship that wasn't given to me as a child it's a relationship now with God that is personal and for me that has been the most beautiful you know moment and um I had a, a incredibly amazing encounter with Jesus um 8 years ago it was the 12th of the 12th of the 12th um the date where I got the opportunity to do CPR on my mum um when I was 6 weeks back from you know my relapse and I just know that Jesus was there in the room because the paramedics called it a day but I I had this amazing I've I've you know s- simplified it but but I had this amazing encounter where the spirit really fell on me and I was able to ask the paramedic to shock my mum's heart one more time and the peace in that room just happened and her heart started when the paramedic you know put the paddles on her and and shocked her heart and and that's a beautiful story in itself because she's wrote a family support program and well you know if i don't get you to say more about that people are going to lynch me you know uh, <laughs> so i i know that your mom had a heart attack right in front yeah. of, right in front of you yeah so what happened she had a sudden cardiac arrest um for absolutely no reason that they can actually diagnose um she's been incredibly sort of fit and healthy her life and um she'd never drank she's you know amazing lady um and yeah she literally just fell on the floor in front of me in my flat in Bournemouth when she was visiting from Wales and uh, at first I thought she'd just fallen over but then I realized um it was a lot more serious than that you know it's nothing like you see on casualty and and thankfully uh, there was another lady in in the the flats that I lived in and she'd just done her CPR training funnily enough the night before we've been talking about God and about God in the process of recovery and I said you know he just shows up in the most amazing ways and you know my faith journey was really growing and and then literally and you know she came and we both did CPR on my mum and it was the longest eight minutes of my life waiting for the paramedics from Bournemouth um, emergency to come but they were fantastic but they there is a point where they have to stop and and they tried everything they could and there was no, no response. Um, How old was your mum at that time? Um, gosh, she was 61 at the time. So relatively young. Yeah, relatively no, no, young. No illness. She's been like my best friend throughout. She's carried me through so much, you know, being a professional pharmacist all her life. You know, she she's all about helping people like myself. Um, and she's an amazing lady. And, and in this moment, I just saw my mum literally dying in front of me. Um, and all I could do was pray. That's That was just like my first response. And... Um, I was praying the serenity prayer that they use in in the fellowships of AA and, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. Um, And there's a beautiful part in the extended serenity prayer that says knowing hardship as a pathway to peace. And literally as I was praying this, um, I felt that peace. And and that's where I believe that interaction with that paramedic because he had those paddles in his hand that, you know, and obviously through through Jesus being there with us... um, yeah, she came back to life. <laughs> Fantastic. This is Hope FM. Emma, you said you, you sensed the, the presence of the Lord, you know, in that moment. What, what was that like for you? Oh, my gosh. It's, it's really hard to describe, but th- th- this peace that just filled every single ounce of my being physically and spiritually was just there. And I, I when I saw this sort of happening, I... I just knew that it was going to be okay and it felt like this warmth and I could just see a presence of another person in the room. Um, I couldn't see Jesus's face at that time, but he has showed up in many a prayer after that. But it was almost like opening a door up to having that, that relationship. And I described it a moment ago in talking that it was it was like this tangible relationship that became, 
I think when I went to Israel, it was like bringing the Bible from 3D to 4D. That was like my relationship with Jesus, just making it even more personal and real to me. Um, and he's just been so present ever since in the walk that I'm on um, and with my mum. Well, let's talk about the, the road to, to recovery, because oh, you went to, to Clouds. What was that What was that course like? How long was it for? And what was it? I was in rehab for six weeks when I went. Um, it was very intense, a lot of work. You, you know, you do on yourself um, assignments, counselling, support, even just getting back into just general life stuff. Um, you know, um, having responsibilities. They'd give you little tasks to do. Um, and, and it was just about starting to socially interact again because I'd shut myself off for so long, you know, like I said about it being quite isolating in addiction. Um, and just for me personally, I started praying again. I started really kind of, you know, practicing some of the spiritual principles that I knew no work and forming that start of a relationship with God again was just lovely. And then I moved to London. I did some more, re, you know, treatment there. And, you know, I went to fellowship meetings like AA and different things. And I'd hear people talk so much about higher power, but I felt quite privileged because I knew who my higher power was. And that was God, um, you know, in the Christian sense. So it was beautiful that. And it's been an ongoing journey ever since, really. Now, we're on the cusp this month of seeing uh, a number of churches in the local area join together with you and the team at FaithWorks to do uh, the recovery course. Yes. You've been working on this, of course, for a long time. You're one of the trustees, aren't you, of the of the course? Uh, How did it come about and what's the what's the what's at the root of it? Yeah, basically, I was um, I started going to St. Swithin's when it began, when the HDB plant came. Um, and I literally heard this gentleman, Nigel Skelsey, talking um, as a guest speaker, and he was talking about this thing called the recovery course, and I'd never heard of it before. Um, and for me, I was I was kind of doing my recovery journey and my faith journey quite separately. Um, and then something happened when Nigel was speaking about this thing called the recovery course, and it was almost like the two came together, recovery and faith. And it was for me, I describe it a bit like a cross-shaped hole that needed filling. And suddenly that that cross-shaped hole started filling up rather than a hole in the soul. I describe it that way. And I went to my vicar and I said, can we run this course here? And myself and another lady were really passionate about it. And, and he went away and he printed off the manual. And as very great vicars do, he delegated really well and said, why don't you try it? And we tried it. And it was just like opening the floodgates. And something happened in this town that has not happened anywhere. Um, And I do see Bournemouth as a real beacon for new initiatives when it comes to addiction work um, and how we can model it then around the country, which is happening. And the recovery course has been running for 15 years, but when we started it in Bournemouth, like I said, we opened the doors and we could not... We coped, but it was like, oh my goodness, these people just came. And we had hundreds of people turning up for these courses. And the recovery course is basically, it can be a 12, 15 or 16 week course. And we cover the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, but as they were originally intended. So we bring back the biblical comparisons right into the very heart and, you know, keep it really Christ-centered. And when we say, you know, recovery, we're, we're talking recovery, like like we said, from so many different things. It could be, you know, pornography, gambling, shopping, alcohol, drugs, you, food, you name it. I met a lady once that was addicted to cross-stitch, and I know that sounds crazy, but it dominated her life to the point where her husband was thinking of divorcing her because it was so obsessive. You know, people that we had a gentleman who bit his nails to the point where he wasn't even present on his honeymoon because he was thinking about where could he bite his nails in private. You know, there's so many habits and destructive behaviours that 
grip people and we've seen people come and just literally find freedom and I became involved with the course nationally and I get the privilege of setting them up around the country um, even just as lockdown began we had 49 courses running around the UK um, but we've actually been really creative now and started online courses so you know it's actually this this season that we're in has, has given opportunity to change how we're looking forwards and I'm going to talk a bit more later but we've got a recovery course starting next Thursday on the 17th of September which is a load of churches around Bournemouth, Christchurch, Poole and Ringwood come together so there's a much bigger thing going on here rather than just the people we're helping in addiction it's actually uniting churches to look at this community issue from a community approach and Basically, we're running it centrally from one place. They then stream it at the different places in small groups, hopefully, depending on what the government guidelines say in the next few days. Um, but we will work with whatever we're given. If not, it has to all go online. But we're also linking in with the online national course. So we've got probably about 120, 130 people signed up now for this course, which is, is the biggest course sign up we've ever had for the recovery course in its 15 years of existence. So I know that this season is so difficult, but my gosh, the fruit that is coming from it already is phenomenal. Well, it's one thing I, we, I could refer to the pages of the course and so on, but I've got something better than that. We've got the Sophia. Because, uh, Sophia, you've been doing the course um, for how long now? Oh, that's a year and a bit, um, on and off, really. So, uh, yeah, it's been a great journey. So tell us something about, about your story. What was it that led you to do the course? Um, well, I um, struggled with um, addiction myself, um, and really, I had been a Christian for many years um, before realising that actually this stronghold was really having a negative impact on my life. And I reached out um, to Emma because, as you're, as you're, you're friends, as my yeah, we're yeah. friends. We worked together in the past. Um, and I had we had been to Soul Survivor together. We'd done been camping, lots of lots of things. Um, this was in the early days, and I didn't realise that you know um, alcohol had a grip on my life. Um, and I was baptised on the tenth of the tenth of the tenth uh, at St James's Church in Poole. Um, I was a Christian a year before that, um, and I can say that when I became a Christian, when I said the prayer. To the salvation prayer and invited Christ into my life. It was um, a really tangible moment of where I felt God's presence and I felt a lifting off me, sort of a weight being lifted off me. It had been a difficult journey to that date as, um, as someone who'd fled domestic abuse with two children. So, you know, we'd we had arrived at Paul. We didn't know anybody. It was a completely new start. Um, and it, there, there was fear there. Um, but when I invited Christ into my life, it was very, very life-changing. Um, but as time went on and um, daily challenges crept in, um, the alcohol got more and more of a grip on me. And um, I... I got. I think God brought Emma to to my mind, um, but I had been struggling with being convicted, um, and through conviction, through that conviction came hope, um, because when I reached out to Emma, um, it was the time when I was able to talk about it freely for the first time. 
Um, the shame that comes with addiction is very, very real. And the shame and the guilt that we discussed earlier is there. And you really feel so isolated and alone. It's like being in a black hole. You're stuck. You're trying to get out and you can't. Um, and when you do get the strength to reach out, which God gives us the strength to reach out, um, and you reach out to that person and they are there for you and there is no condemnation in that. They, they, you know, I just see Emma as a vessel that God used to, in my recovery. Um, and I always remember saying that your life will be so different. Um, and at that point, I very rarely sort of smiled genuinely. Laughter was sort of, you know, a distant memory. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't sure if I believed her when she said, you know, your life will be so different. And yes, today it is so, so very, very different through reaching out and being shown the steps. Because although I had God in my life and I was a Christian, I attended church regularly, I sang in the worship band, um, I did lots of things, but it's like having a double life. The addiction is the hidden bit. What people see is what you want to be, but there is no real relationship with God. And that what what Emma was talking about earlier, about that tangible presence of God, that relationship, that walk with him is is there, but you can't quite reach it. And the big thing for me, um, I think that stopped me having that relationship with God was not just the addiction, it was that hole in the soul, the fact that you don't feel lovable, you don't feel that anybody could love you. So that keeps you distant from God. And as you come into recovery and you reach out to somebody who's been there, um, you know, it's just so freeing. You can begin to talk and you can begin to release all those things. You can be guided to know what powerlessness is because I knew that there was something wrong and I knew, um, I kept asking the Lord, Lord, give me some discipline. I like some discipline. I want to have that discipline to not be able to drink as much um, as I do. Um and it wouldn't happen. So I changed from drinking wine to drinking something else to um, having a certain time limit to, uh, you know, making sure just all these um, things I'd put in place to stop me drinking. And what I didn't realize was that I needed to admit that I was powerless over alcohol. So for me, it was alcohol. For other people, it could be other addictions, gambling, porn, all the things we've spoken about. When you realise that you're powerless over stopping that, you've tried to manage it, you've tried everything, but nothing works. And that, that first step of knowing that you are powerless, I think for me was the most powerful, because then you can hand it over to the Lord and say, Lord, take this from me and let your will be done in this situation, not mine. And that is just so life-changing. You know, it just is just very, very powerful. Um, and being involved in the recovery course um, was was it was a journey. It was part of a journey that um, I think. I mean, Emma's never said this to me, but I often feel that she sees things in me that I don't see in myself. 
she's always encouraging me and just like my church family as well you know that encouragement that love is there um and she'll encourage me to speak about my journey um and i felt that my addiction was separate to my journey with god just like emma said earlier and they were two separate things but bringing them together in that recovery course in that journey and being shown that actually god's always been in addiction you know he's he's not he's not the cause of addiction that's the strongholds you know the enemy comes in but he's always been with us and there to carry us through if we just let him and we ask him into that space and and I've learned that through the recovery course I've learned that through my journey with Emma I've learned that through my church family who were amazing um and and being part of the groups when we were at Winton in in the actual church and seeing it all come together um was also amazing because you're seeing communities come together people that you would never put together all in one place uh, and you see them grow together because um, we've got our communities in the churches who may never have dealt with addiction or people in addiction and there's some anxiety there maybe of will I be able to do this will I be able to speak to them you know what's it going to be like um, and then you've got the people in addiction thinking, wow, if I walk into that church, am I going to catch fire? Am I going to be good enough to walk in there? But when you bring the two together and our communities, our churches and the vessels that God uses in that process, um, when you bring those two things together, something happens you feel God's presence you see things happening you see change and it's sometimes really obvious and sometimes it's it's slower but you you see it happening and you see the people come together in a way that you you couldn't imagine and the difference that that love makes that our churches and our communities are giving to people is life-changing and, you know, sometimes it's frustrating in addiction because you think, well, I haven't seen a change. I didn't, that person's still drinking or that person's still accessing, you know, porn or, or, or what have you. But those faith that's the size of a mustard seed, that's, that's what the Bible talks about. That's, that seed has been planted and then it needs watering. And that's what we do in a recovery course. We water that seed with love, with compassion, with encouragement, journeying, walking alongside people and just being there. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen so many people just have so much patience. And, it, and that's what it is. They fall, you get up. And you go back again and you get that same response, the smile, the encouragement, the welcome, a story that's worse than yours. That's always good. Um, it's just it's just wonderful to see. Um, yeah, this is Hope FM. And of course, Emma Heath and uh, Sophia are my very special guests today. We're talking about uh, addiction of all kinds and more important than that, of course, the, the road to complete uh, complete freedom. Uh, now, I can see people are going to be sat on the edge of their seats and saying, now, how can I access one of these courses? 
maybe I should start with you, Sophia. So why should people who have struggles of addiction of any kind, whatever, whatever it might be, any life controlling thing, why should they sign up for one of these courses? Well, I would say if you want to witness God's love, well, just part of God's love, if you want to um, find complete freedom and be able to smile and laugh and have real joy, not just joy on the surface that we put on for the world, then I would really encourage you to, to come along if you want that tangible relationship with God, not just God in your daily life, real relationships and just um, freedom yeah I would really encourage you to, to come along now if you want more information about these courses well I'm going to give you a telephone number in, in a moment so go and get a piece of paper and a pen and I'll give you this web, web address now but again I'll give it to you again so don't worry if you don't quite get it so it's, you put into your browser HTTPS uh, with a semicolon uh, and then forward slash forward slash faithworkswessex dot org dot uk forward slash projects forward slash recovery forward slash although i guess actually if you put in recovery course you just google that in recovery course faithworks you'll probably get it yeah the the main website for faithworks is www.faithworkswessex.org and then if you go into our projects bit and the recovery it's bit it's there. got all the info on yeah so that's going to be the easiest thing so just go, yeah. go into that www.faithworkswessex.org.uk look for the projects link and then it, it will all be there and the number which i will give you again i'll give you both these things again in a moment is 01202 429037 and ask to talk to emma herself or indeed to to charlie they'll both help you but emma is on the verge of another project now you've already done some television work already haven't you mm. uh, but you're just about to start filming uh, the the recovery course i mean tell us about it yeah, we've already done, uh, myself and the CEO of the Recovery Course nationally, Justin Rees-Larkham, which is um, Jennifer Rees-Larkham's son. He's been through a massive gambling issue and come through it and runs a recovery course. The two of us did a mini-series before Christmas that was aired on TBN, which covered the recovery course, but in these sort of 10-minute taster sessions. So if anyone wants to see that, they can actually go on to YouTube. And if you put in YouTube the recovery course, it will bring up loads of different things about the recovery course. And there's the TBN series there. We're doing another series with TBM, which um, I'm kind of, it's a bit crazy. I'm kind of sort of producing and directing, but it's um, its a testimony series. So that's um, being filmed actually this week um, in a studio in Bournemouth with um, 26 different people talking about their experience of recovery and addiction and the recovery course. And we're basing it on a step each week. So it's a 12 week series and that starts then being launched on the 1st of October at 7pm on TBN um so that will be coming up so it's i it's crazy sort of doing tv like this but it's um it's amazing and of course uh, you can access tbn uh, via youtube as well as you've already said and and also on their on their website can't you yeah they do like on demand they do on their website you can watch it on um sky and you can watch it on freeview so it's a massive christian network i'd really recommend it they have some great speakers on there but also uh, emma has been recognized by no less than a good friend of hope fm and a good friend of mine uh, our mayor uh councillor uh, F- uh susan phillips and uh, she's actually put you up for an exciting uh, national diversity award and the particular characters category is is positive role model 
for race, faith, religion, uh, and that's going to be announced. Not, you know, but you you were there with was it sixty thousand other people? There's been sixty thousand nominations for these awards, the National Diversity Awards, and um, my friend Louise nominated me, and then people put in their sort of um, backing of it, and and I was blown away at the support I've had. Um, and you know our local mayor Susan um, who's amazing she has really supported me in this and um, basically I got shortlisted out of these 60,000 um, nominations and votes and everything to um, to be in a category of just six people and you know what blows my mind with this more than anything and and it's this is the bit that that amazes me it's because it's got that faith element you know um to be actually recognized for some of this work in faith i mean obviously god gets all the glory but it's lovely to be able to have this opportunity in a very secular kind of thing to be able to say where this comes from and why god is so important in you know transforming people um from the outside in um so yeah it's it's actually february that the winners get announced so i'll be going to liverpool cathedral too so will you know beforehand or will you oh my goodness so you'll be up up to liverpool yeah sat there in anticipation itv are filming it and it's all like a big thing and there's going to be loads of celebs like marcus rashford and different people which will be funny um and yeah i I won't know i had to do a pre-recorded video as if i won it which is really weird it's like (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you yeah it's like being at the oscars isn't it it's really strange it's i can't really believe how somebody so broken and just an ordinary person like emma can be doing this but you know actually i and i say it all the time and i said it at the end of my profile when i had to put a profile of for this awards thing was that actually i'm only the person i am because of the people i work with and that goes for the volunteers with the recovery course and faith works and my churches you know that i'm a part of and i there's no way every single part of them has made me who i am and god has been just amazing but sophie uh, sophia was uh, telling me that uh, she, there's no way that you thought that you'll be sat in the radio studio uh, today uh, never mind doing a recovery course and all of that. So you must be blown away, actually, by just your own experience. So I reckon that, that Sophia's experience, you know, maybe it's God's way of actually catapulting the knowledge of what you, you guys are involved in uh, to, to a national audience. We'll have to wait till February, won't we? Yeah. But will you be there rooting for her? Oh, I'll be, definitely be rooting for her, yeah. Absolutely. The problem is the tickets are £195 each. Can you believe it? So it's you know it's hard to go. I, I get mine free, obviously. Did but they really, does that money go to charity or? I don't know. Mm. That's amazing. Maybe it's an expensive award. Is it a cash prize or? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, our prayers will definitely be there. I'll be put on a table person. with champagne, which I won't even want. <laughs> but I guess, like like all the awards, you know, that whatever the outcome, everybody in in that sense is a winner, aren't they? And and uh, and so mm. I suppose it doesn't really it doesn't really matter uh, at all. And I feel like the biggest winner when I get to listen to stories like Sophia's, and I've been sitting here and like people wouldn't see because this is on radio, but just crying because I'm so proud of these people, you know, and in turn, that's what gives me the strength to do what I do. And, you know, I'm so proud of every single individual that says I've got an issue and I need help and and ask God to help them and amazing things happen. Yeah, absolutely. 18 months ago, um, I've been sober 18 months and there's absolutely no way I would have 
imagined that I would be sitting here, but it was, as Emma said, you, you won't be able to imagine where you'll be. Um, and along the journey, I've seen, I've, I've been to clouds with Emma um, and I've seen her speak with people. I've seen the way, the compassion that she shows to people. Um, and she's inspiring. She's an inspiration to us. So it's great to to see that because you know she's been through it and she's come out the other end i mean we know that the glory goes to the lord Mm -hmm. but to see her to see someone who can inspire you that you can come out and you've got things to look forward to is just amazing Mm, yes indeed and uh, i i guess also that uh, me addiction we said this very early on in the program but it's no respecter of persons because it does impact people all all levels of society whether they would be you know somebody who's down and out on the street uh, and i guess a lot of people when you think addiction that that may be what they think of somebody lying you know in a doorway or or whatever uh, but actually it it impacts people at the highest levels of society and you said earlier on sophia that we're all very good at covering this up aren't we and we may not appreciate that the person in high office or low office or somewhere in between actually has some real issues to deal with yeah and we've seen we've seen people come on the course that are you know obviously from our homeless community but we also have people that are you know regular upstanding citizens in church that you would not even think had an issue we've had actual vicars come to our course because it is so anonymous we we really respect people's anonymity when they come um, that's drummed into our team and um, you know people with good jobs you've got people that you would never imagine had this going on behind closed doors and at the moment with Covid because there's been so much you know when, when lockdown happened a lot of addictions have come to the surface in a way that we've never imagined at Faithworks we've seen a threefold increase in referrals Um, because you can't hide some of this stuff. You know, when you're put in such close proximity with family or your living arrangements. So, you know, this this surge in mental health and addiction is just going to go through the roof at the moment. So we need to do something to address it. And again, you touched on on, on this uh, earlier on, Sophia, but I guess that one of the hardest things is the admitting and also getting over the fact of what people think or might think. You know, in fact, most people will be coming to your group, as you say, where there's an- anonymity, mm. uh, so they can be comfortable mm. in sharing. But, but, but actually, I suppose that then gives you the confidence to be able to maybe talk about, share things that previously uh, you weren't able to do. Absolutely. I, I think um, there's a lot of stigma around uh, addiction and our stereotype is that person on the park bench um, who looks very disheveled and, you know, hasn't done very well in life. But you, like you said, it affects all people in all work, walks of life. Um, once there's, uh, there's a foothold, the stronghold, um, the devil will come in and, you know, he can it can affect anyone absolutely anyone and you know ultimately addiction comes from pain and that hole in the soul and you know we've this is where we need to sort of come into our communities and our families our church families in particular if you already have a faith that that can support you through that and just keep pressing into god but it's it is really about whether you have a faith or not taking that first step Mm. and not worrying about the stereotypes um 
and just letting us journey alongside you. Maybe just picking up on that, because I mean, obviously you both had had some faith, you know, while you were going through these challenges, and you had faith in, in, in God. What about somebody maybe who's listening to the program this morning, and they, they as far as they 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 can tell, that they 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 they, they have no faith. They they are not sure whether there's a God or, or not. Maybe maybe even agnostic, mm. you know. To be honest, I'd say to anybody listening to this that feels that and thinks that what we've talked about is not for them because they haven't necessarily started on that journey, um, it doesn't matter because the thing is, for example, with the recovery course, you don't have to have a faith to join it and actually draw some tools from it and a seed might be planted and you get to explore what that concept of faith is in a really kind of non-judgmental, relaxed way. So... Um, it's a great way to explore that and the thing is I think everybody deep down has some element of faith you know I like that I have faith that this chair that I'm sitting on is going to support me um, it just depends on how where you place that faith and ultimately we know where we place our faith but it's not to say that people don't have faith so I would encourage people to just sort of get involved and 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 not think that they're anything less than because maybe their faith isn't as strong as other people's. And of course, it's also understanding, isn't it, the nature of God's character? You know, when the, the Bible in Romans talks about there is therefore now no condemnation, uh, we, maybe we think that God is going to really be angry with us and want to punish us because of you know just waiting for the opportunity to stamp on us. And of course, the opposite is entirely true. I guess best simplified by the, the thief on the cross. You know, this day you'll be with me in paradise. But actually, just the the knowledge that everybody, you know, whatever level they're at in society, whatever their gifting or non-gifting is, is loved by this amazing God. Uh, liquid love, I've heard some people refer to it as when they experience the presence of God. It's like being in the presence of pure liquid love, which in itself, of course, is um, is is releasing. Have you have you both experienced that? to a degree the, the powerful love in the presence yeah I think we can be our own worst critics especially folk that I've met in addiction really beating themselves up to the point where they don't necessarily get the help that they need you know that fear and stigma around addiction is rife and actually we're about about stopping that so that the God's love can just flow through us um, what do you think I, I would say that I have definitely experienced that and I think um, part of your journey in recovery whether you have faith or not is forgiveness and it is a key part of the power of forgiveness um we were talking about this um on a healing course which i've been doing um with my church and the power of forgiveness is so such a key aspect when you truly forgive from the heart um and because god gives us forgiveness um, then, then you get that, just that tangible feeling of freedom, feeling of God's love is just overwhelming, really, really overwhelming. Um, it's like the heavens open up and the spirit will just fall upon you. Um, it's amazing, yeah. And I guess that, that particularly for you, Sophia, having gone through the, the terrible experience of, of, of abuse and so on, that whole forgiveness thing, would have been very, very real to work through that for you. Yeah, yeah, there was um, lots of trauma and um, it was very, very challenging journey. Um, so, yeah, it, it is it, it is such a release when you can forgive. And then, of course, with unforgiveness comes resentment. And um, that's what we may drink on or 
use other things to sort of numb those things. Um, but yes, it really, really powerful when you're able to forgive. This is Hope FM. And of course, we've been talking all, all things uh, recovery from all forms of addiction. And if you've been listening to the program this morning, I promised you I'd give those contact details again. The telephone number is uh, 01202. 429037 that's 0102 429037 ask to speak to either Emma or Charlie and they'll be able to give you information or go to the FaithWorks website which is faithworkswessex.org uk and then when you go on that main site just look for projects and there you'll find details of all the courses which are starting uh, this month now it may well be that you've been listening to the program this morning and you you're, you're not particularly impacted by addiction yourself but maybe your son your daughter somebody who is close to you you know uh, and you may be wondering what what can i do so so emma and sophia what can they do I would say reach out, definitely get in contact with Emma or Charlie. We've got the family support group as well. Um, I definitely encourage you, friends or family that you've seen, if if they're not ready for support, you take the support, please do just reach out and, and pick up the phone. Yeah, we have a, a weekly support group. It's been meeting by Zoom, but we were hoping to meet in person. But given these guidelines, we shall see what happens. Um, but basically it's a weekly support group that is for anybody affected by addiction we used to say of a loved one but actually some people don't really feel like they might love that person when they've caused them so much pain Um, quite quite the opposite in fact yeah yeah so it's basically for anybody affected Um, it could be a friend a colleague um, a son daughter family member Um, it's important that the person affected by it um, also kind of reaches out and gets the help that they need because, it, like Sophia said, it might be that that person in addiction isn't ready, but the ripple effect of the actual people impacted getting help often does have an impact on the person in addiction and can sometimes be the turning point for them to um, take action. So it's a whole family illness um, addiction and we just want to help people so they can, again, contact us through FaithWorks and we can give more information about that support group that's there to help them. And you're wanting to set up some support groups for families as well and people who are impacted? Well, that support group's already running, so people can join that any time. Um, and obviously, if we get more than, than this in one group, we'll expand. That's the great thing. Well, finally, thank you so much, both of you, for being so open uh, and uh, and being on the program. We, we've been talking uh, maybe about these two what lovely ladies doing uh, a series on Hope FM as well through testimony. So we'll be certainly exploring that. And of course, you've got your TBN series uh, to look out for uh, at the end of October. Did you say that? First that? of October, it's being aired at seven pm on TBN. So um, that's very exciting. Just look up the recovery course TBN, and you'll find all the information. So give them a final word of encouragement. Why should they go on the course and and, and check all this stuff out? Not only would it save your life, um, I've seen people's lives be changed, but you actually get the greatest thing, um, which is growing in a relationship with Jesus because we can't do recovery on our own. um, And when we have God right at the centre, that's when the magic happens. Well, as I say, that brings us to the end of uh, Community Now today. Sophia, I should have come to you and said, did you have a final word of encouragement? Oh, no, I just want to say thank you to everyone. And yeah, it, this, these, this recovery course saves lives, changed lives, and it breaks off those chains. So, yes. Well, for now, for me, Blair Crawford, and from Emma and from Sophia, is goodbye. God bless. 
For more inspirational interviews, podcasts, and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.